On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown, we introduce ourselves, tell you why we're starting this podcast and the vision that we kind of have for it. We react to the first round of the NFL draft with C.D. Lamb heading to the Cowboys, with Kenneth Murray headed to the Chargers. We debut our winners and losers segment. We discuss Cliff Kingsbury and Jerry Jones flexing on all of us. We talk just a little Tiger King and even a little TikTok. But before we get to all that, it's my absolute pleasure to let you know that this podcast is presented by our friends at no, we don't have, we don't have a sponsor yet. Not not yet, but if if you want to sponsor it, uh, feel free. This is where we would read something for a presenting sponsor. So if if you're feeling like you it's something you'd want to do, we we definitely we definitely like to have you. So come come on. Why not? Come on. Come do it. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma breakdown. It is a beautiful Thursday, April 23rd, and this is the introduction show, gentlemen. It, it's happening. Ready or We're not. We're doing it. Here we go. We're doing it. We're doing it. Dusty, are you settled? You seem settled. Are you settled? <laughs> well, see, I have, this ro- I have this rolling chair, and it squeaks a lot. And I'm just, I'm going to be a little fidgety, I think. So as opposed to the people, uh, the great people that are tuning into this unbelievable podcast, they don't have to listen to you go, ee, 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 ee. I'm doing that out of the kindness of my heart for them. So I'm going to give you guys options. Um, I kind of laid out something for our introduction podcast and it involved, you know, maybe a little bio maybe why we're doing the podcast, um, kind of our vision for the podcast, maybe how it'll work. Mission statement. Oh, mission statement could be a mission statement. Or we could just jump into talking about the first round of the NFL draft that just took place. So it's your call. We can talk about ourselves for a little bit. We can talk about our feelings. That's fun. It's fun. Or we can get straight to football. It's your call. I'm down for whatever, man. I, you know, I'm good. I think most of the people in the audience are going to kind of know who we are, but if they don't, I mean, I'm fine with saying who I am. Teddy Lehman played at OU from 2000, 2003, played five years in the NFL, uh, been doing radio locally since uh, 2011 slash 12. Dusty and I started up a show, uh, been a part of the OU broadcast since 2012 and um, started on the sideline. Now I'm up in the booth with Toby Rowland and host a show on Sports Talk 1400 from 2 to 6 every day. And you're married and you have a kid. Married, <laughs> kid, which yeah. I went swimming with today. Swim. Yes. Crazy. I did swimming. Unbelievable. Same-sies. 
Same you days. both went swimming today? Yeah, I don't want to see my Nat gas bill uh, <laughs> whenever it comes up, but yeah. We actually, yeah, anyway, yes. Mike, we, we had the water 84, and I think it was 79 outside with the sun That's coming down. Heated pool? You guys are fancy. Stop it, Gabriel. Don't I don't have a pool. I don't want to hear it. I don't have a pool at this house, at our new house that we're building, which hopefully is done very soon, boys. Yeah, that thing's going to be heated. It's going to be nice. Uh, so I'll go next. I'll go next. It's going to look like, you know what it's going to be, Ted, what I envision for Gabe's uh, Oh, here we home. go. No, no, I'm serious. I was sitting there tonight, and I was looking at Cliff Kingsbury, and exactly. I saw his pad. Don't didn't that scream, Gabe? I could be. I hope. Thank you. Why don't you just superimpose <laughs> your head onto Kingsbury there and make that like the the picture for the podcast? That his would be shoes, perfect. His shoes were Gabe's. Gabe would wear those shoes. No the socks. The leather loafer. That's yeah. that's a power move. Look, I'll get power that. Move. All right, I'm gonna get my bio in real quick. Uh, for anyone listening that doesn't know who I am, which is probably a lot of you, um, I'm Gabe Eichard. I'm going to be keeping this train on the tracks, hopefully, with these two yahoos. Uh, played football at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, born and raised in Oklahoma City. Love this state. Love this city. Uh, played four years in the National Football League. Got fired a lot. Didn't go very well, but I made a, met a lot of great people. Made, made a lot of friends. Hey, getting a lot fired of fun. is a skill, Gabe. Don't don't downplay that. Oh yeah, and I just got fired in the real world too, boys. Why do you think we're doing this podcast, huh? <laughs> well, we can get into. That I was gonna ask. Much. I was gonna it's ask. Fine. It's fine. I got fired. I was gonna it's ask fine. a man. You know, you you look for people that have expertise in things, and I was gonna say, I think you're now at the level that. You have expertise in being fired, so I will look to you if <laughs> I, I need any advice. I was fired eight times in the NFL, and I just got laid off, fired, shit canned, whatever you want to say. It's all the same thing. I hate when people sugarcoat when you get fired, especially in the coaching world. That drives me insane. They mutually parted ways. No, they didn't. He got fired. <laughs> They don't want him to work there anymore. And that's what happened to me uh, here in Oklahoma City on my local radio show. I still have the SiriusXM gig, which is nice. But, uh, yeah, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Caroline. We've got two miniature Australian Labradoodles that I will probably talk about on this show a lot. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Um, got a great family, two older brothers, and very, very great mom and dad. Pretty, I'm pretty simple, pretty easy. And then I now do the OU broadcast with Teddy. Okay, so I got a couple of things before my intro. Number one, Teddy uh, obviously also won the Butkus, was a member of the 2000 National Championship team, a game that he played in oh, uh, hang on. as a true freshman. And, and I'd like to say – that Buckus Award that he has, I'd like to state claim to at least 5% of it because I Wait. fucking took on a lot of double teams for that for that motherfucker, okay? Look at that. So Wait, did you just have the get, butt kiss get like on a sliver? Hand? Hey, what do you think, Gabe, about like a shoestring? Can I get a shoestring off the just, shoe? You know what he should do? I put in? You this should. is my dick, uh, Gabe. This is my dick Buckus Award. <laughs> that, that's a great-looking dick you got there. Now, Dude, that's maybe – 
maybe you deserve like one of the hands or something, Dusty. It's one of the parts I, where I he could that. just maybe knock it off for you. Did you really just have that trophy sitting there well, ready? I happened to be in the same room with it, and um, so I figured I'd jump up and grab it real quick. That makes perfect so, sense. So finishing with what I was saying, Teddy Lehman actually took me on my recruiting visit, y'all. We go back. Um, and so – and then when Ted and I uh, – I played the – okay, so I played at Oklahoma um, from 01 to 05, and – Drafted in the third round by the Bears, played for four years, got hurt and had surgery every year. It's awesome. I'm in, I am an expert in surgeries, five years, five surgeries. So suck on that. <laughs> um, and then Ted coaxed me into playing in a league called the UFL because he had played. And the main reason I did is because I was supposed to play on Ted's team because they were badass. I was going to live in Vegas with my boy. And they – can I say the F word on here? I don't know. We're, right yeah, now. we're going uh, – We've this is a, this, so much radio that it's yeah, still hard to get it out. Uh, yeah. No, we, we can be a little – we can be a little more ourselves on this show. Uh, I feel like we can cuss as much as we want. That's, that's why we're doing this. And we'll they get into why we're doing it. But. And put in a draft, and I was – I went to Omaha. Great stint, but – uh, then Ted Vegas, Omaha. Show. I mean, they're yeah. kind of the same town. <laughs> we 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 do a show together. After that, Ted and I did a show together for about four years, and uh, we did the radio broadcast together. And then I went to work for the Sports Animal, which I still work. I just started my sixth year, fifth year. Uh, I think I think it's my sixth year. Um, and I work for ESPN. I'm about to start my fifth year if we have football. Who the hell knows? But if we actually have a college football season, I'll do my fifth year up in the booth, which has been a lot of fun. Um, I've been married for 12 years, just like Ted. Ted was married just like a few months before me um, to his lovely wife, Erin. But I have a wife. Uh, she's lovely. She's from Perry, Oklahoma gal. And I've got three children. Ten, eight boys, and a, a three-year-old daughter who turns four next Friday. So we have our hands full. I, like you, Gabe, also work for SiriusXM. I just kind of do it on the side, fill in here and there, and uh, also work for News 9. So, you know, I'm a man with many kids and many jobs. What can I say? <laughs> and um, we're adding another one because this is going to be a is. lot of work. Hope you know that. I mean, who, need, who needs to sleep? It's fine. Uh, so I'm fired up. This is going to be fun. And I would just say for Gabe – Interestingly enough for Gabe, um, when Ted and I first started doing the sidelines, Gabriel was a player, and I used to talk to Gabe all the time. Uh, Always get a quote my, from Gabe. Always. He was, he was one of my moles, Ted. Don't tell I, anybody. But I had something to say, boys. Gabe's one uh, of the only players ever at OU that will actively seek out the radio broadcast during a game. Just like, <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Come here. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what this defensive line did. He used to talk to me during the uh, – during the game. Uh, and, and then Gabe is also probably the most intelligent, well-spoken, uh, quality young man I'd been around in that business. So uh, I guess it's okay, even though you were an offensive lineman, an offensive lineman, or scum of the earth. Uh, I, I guess it's, it's fitting since you are a pretty good dude. Uh, and I think you won like the academic Heisman. So I, we got to bring the, the IQ. 
we got to bring the IQ of this show up. So uh, I, I won the I won the Warful Trophy. I won the Warful Trophy. I I dabbled in some. I got a bunch. Listen, of if you make good here. grades, if you make good grades in college, what do I get for that? <laughs> yeah, you, no trophies for getting kicked out of school. Uh, damn. But uh, this is this try. is something that Dusty, you and I, we've been talking about doing it for a long time, and frankly, yeah. there was some, you know, some contractual things that kind of got in the way but for me it's kind of on my end but I no longer have to worry about that so the second sometimes don't ask don't tell is the best policy let's just keep it at that the second you know I was I had a lot more free time on my hands Uh, I I immediately texted you guys and said hey I got this idea what are you thinking you you both were in and I'm excited for it I really am, and I know that we kind of have a vision for this thing, and it's all it's all about talking sports and talking football, and clearly everyone identifies with us, with OU football and what we did in our playing days, but it's also the state of Oklahoma. It's, it's all – it's home for every single one of us, and I think we all like the idea that this can be something where – People in the state of Oklahoma that have businesses can come on here, tell us about their businesses. They can sponsor segments. Um, we can have a presenting sponsor from the state of Oklahoma. Just a lot of local flavor to this thing. Now, we're going to dive into the biggest stories in sports. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for years now is talking about sports. It's what we do for a living. But I, I like the idea that you know we can have this podcast. We can say whatever we want to say. It can be unfiltered and we can put some local Oklahoma flavor on it. I, I, I love it. I love the idea, boys. I do too. Quick shout out to our first sponsor, C4, uh, right out of the gate. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell, but uh, Dusty's <laughs> a little jacked here, up right now. <laughs> what we have here is a naturally sweetened um, zero sugar uh, drink that is going to give you a little bit of energy. So, yes, thank you for the coffee berry. C4. It's lovely. It's lovely. Hey, in all seriousness, though, this is all this has all been fun. But I just gotta say, to hell with all that, because let me just tell you, we're in the middle of crazy ass times. Let's be real. Okay. Life's kind of sucked for like everyone on this planet for like five weeks. And you know what? As much as any time in the last five weeks, I freaking enjoyed tonight like a son of a gun. I was so jacked about this draft, and it, it exceeded uh, my jacked upness. And we're going to talk about C.D. Lamb is a Dallas Cowboy. Oh, here we go. I got an eight-year-old boy who I just <laughs> sent you guys a picture of who loves football. He loves the Oklahoma Sooners. C.D. Lamb is his favorite player, and he is a Dallas Cowboy freak. His his codes are four two one, which is Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, which – I just thought it was clever that he thought of I'm, that and put I'm it gonna in. I'm going to steal your son's shit now. Thanks. <laughs> so, so, but he, so we're watching the draft tonight. Anyway, we're dealing with all this stuff and we finally get the draft and it was great. It was speedy. Uh, there was some intrigue to it. But for me personally, and I'm just going to start here, I got an eight year old kid that loves football. And it's really cool. So I had a 10 year old that really doesn't like sports. So I've got one on each end of the spectrum, which is cool. Like, whatever. Uh, but I'd be lying if I didn't say it's really cool because 
of my love and passion for the game of football to see that in my eight-year-old, uh, that's pretty special. And so we, I've been telling about the draft. We've been talking about players. He's been asking about players. And, like, so tonight we were all excited. And he's been asking me about C.D. Lamb and the Cowboys. And I've been like, bro, Cowboys need a defensive player. CD's not going to be there. He's probably going to go. Just crushing yeah. his dreams? What kind of <laughs> yeah, dad are you? I mean, I'm, I'm straight. I'm a good dad. I'm going to tell him what's up. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to him. And so all night tonight, so we're watching the draft, and he's like, especially when it came to Oakland, and I said, CD's going to – I think CD's going to go to Oakland. But they obviously wanted to match Tyree Kill with Henry Rugspeed, which I'd love to see the foot race, to be honest. But he looks at me, and he's like, after the pick goes, and he's like, Dad. They didn't take him, and he starts jumping up and down. And I'm like, wow, he's really into this. So at 15, when the Broncos take Jerry Judy, he's, like, dancing around, and he's like, two more picks. And I'm, like, still thinking, like, you know. There's no way. I'm, like, torn. You're still thinking. Cowboys, uh, yeah, Cowboys need a defensive guy. There's no Santa yeah. Claus. Easter Bunny's yes. fake. There's no Tooth Fairy. <laughs> yes. And I'm telling him, and, like, part of me is hoping, and, hey, let's be real. I think CeeDee Lamb is by far the best player available. I think he's the best receiver in the draft. So I do think there's value in getting a quality player, even if it's not necessarily a high position of need. But I still didn't think CeeDee Lamb goes to Dallas. When CeeDee Lamb went to Dallas, it's the most joy this kid has had and I've had in 40 freaking days. And so I just – that was awesome, man. Tonight was a cool dad moment. Tonight was a – Good, feel good for me personally when my life's been shit lately like the rest of everybody. And I felt good tonight. And I got to watch an Oklahoma Sooner go to my favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, and bring joy into the heart of a little eight-year-old boy. And now he's even that much more fired up for next season. So let's just hope we have one. That is so very tender. That's so cool. very I wasn't emotional. trying to start tender. I'm just being no, real. No, I don't. Oh, it's, it's cool. I like it. I'll tell you what's funny, you know, whenever I got home from work, the draft started at seven, but my son has been waiting all day for me to get home and swim with him. So we go out and swim. I put the, the draft on, I'm recording it on the DVR, but you know, it's been a long time since there's been anything sports related on TV. Whenever I come in and my wife who could not care less about sports, I mean, football basketball doesn't matter doesn't know anything about sports doesn't care about sports i come in she's like hey you gotta come check out the draft and i'm like wait what you're watching the draft my wife is in bed with the draft on tv watching it and dialed in couldn't believe what i was witnessing just like wait what is happening here <laughs> so cd lamb goes 17th overall to the cowboys i don't think they expected him to be there uh, there's no way they could have expected him to be there. I think a lot of Cowboys fans are OU fans. There's a big, big crossover there. And I like what they did. They went with the best player, just like you said, Dusty. Sometimes you draft for need, but I will never complain when a team drafts the best player available. And CeeDee Lamb was the best player on the board when Jerry Jones and the Cowboys were picking. Now, I am excited to see him on the opposite side of Amari Cooper, that could be a lot of fun to watch. They're loaded at the skill position, man. You know, a lot of, a lot of people give Dak a lot, of, a lot of grief about a bunch of different things, but uh, you look at his numbers from last year, what, second in the NFL in, in yards passing. 
Um, you know, they did have some problems when they got down in the red zone, but they are loaded at the skill position spots. They got a tight end that can go. They've got two wide receivers now, one of the best all-around backs in the game. Um, you know, it's not as good as it used to be, but still have a solid offensive line. So, I mean, all in all, they're pretty good. They I thought got it was the great. belldozer. They got the belldozer. I, you know, CeeDee Lamb is a cowboy for about 10 seconds, and he has the best catch of his career already whenever he snags that phone out of his girlfriend's Oh, my <laughs> gosh. What was she doing? What was she doing? I don't know. Was that she was trying hilarious. to – she doesn't want to see what's on that phone. He said, give me that phone, girl. Said, that no, 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 no. We're, 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 we're not that close. No. I thought that um, was pretty funny. That was very funny. Um, okay, so, you know, on my local show today, Todd Furman, um, Bet the Board podcast, um, I would say of the people that talk gambling, I'd put him right there at the very top. He's very good. So I had him on my local show today, and it's interesting. Um, he brought up CeeDee Lamb, and he said of all the prop bets of people that, you know, he talks to and uh, that are, you know, that he knows are, are betting different things. That CD was one of the most bet things, but it was the under, and the line was twelve and a half uh, of where he'd get picked. You know, wet in the beak, and he was all over the under. And he said a lot of people were, like to the point that he almost. It sounded like he didn't think it was crazy if he even snuck in the top ten, but definitely wouldn't get past eleven or twelve, which I think most of us kind of thought. Um, so I found that interesting. I looked it up, and you know. It's five draft spots because over under 12 and a half, you know, that's where we all expected. 11, 12. Uh, for what the, the, the pay scale is set at, I believe it's 16.6 uh, overall total guarantee for the 12 for this year. And it's 14.01. So 2.6 million real dollars. Don't know what the state income tax in Nevada is. Uh, Texas doesn't get zero. I'm yeah. saying. zero. So I, I don't know. I don't know how that equates, but I think, monetarily, I don't think this is a big loss. Um, so, like, for anybody that's going to say he really slid and he lost a lot of money, look, I mean, a couple million bucks, let's be real, it's money, but I don't think it's that bad. And I think that he's at a place where he's going to get great opportunities. He's got Amari Cooper on one side. He's got Michael Gallup, who caught 1,000 yards last year. He's got one of the best running backs in pro football behind him. He's not going to be a guy that defenses, you know, look at and say, we got to take him out, which is going to open up a lot of things for him. So I think for a place that he's going to be able to go, have success, learn from other good veterans, I think it's a great fit for him as a Cowboy. So, you know, from that aspect, from CD's standpoint, I think it's a great spot for him and a chance for him to have success early on. From a Cowboy side of me, uh, which I also stand, I'm not mad because I totally agree there's value in taking the best player. And I think a lot of people that I talk to, and you guys talk to a lot of people, a lot of people I spoke with that I trust and value opinion, thought CD was the best receiver like I did. Like, and right. it made me feel good that I wasn't looking at it through sooner colored glasses. Like, no, this guy's legit. So I think the Cowboys were probably in that boat. Maybe they had him as the 10th best prospect. He's at 17. Do you reach on a guy that wasn't that high on your board to fit need? Or do you get a guy that you never even thought could be there that if we, if we really look at it, they do lose Randall Cobb. There is a spot for another receiver. Do you go ahead and take the best player? So It's crazy, uh, though. I don't I think mean, it's a terrible move, but I can't say Imagine if they that, hadn't uh, signed Amari to that $100 million deal, though. I mean, they were quick on that. 
didn't have to do it at that time. And I wonder if they've got buyer's remorse right now, you know, knowing that they signed that big of a deal wide receiver. And then they had what a lot of people thought, as you said, the best receiver in the draft fall to them there at 17. So, I mean, they're probably happy they got the best guy, but probably looking at that $100 million contract saying, dang. Dang it. I, I'm pretty sure Jerry Jones was drafting from a yacht tonight. So 250 I, I, yeah. mil. I that think he'll ballers. I think he'll be all right. That's like, that's the well, you had, you asked our, our right. winners and losers, and I for uh, quarantine winners, I had anyone that's quarantining on a $250 million <laughs> yeah. yacht. Uh, and just go ahead and fly the equipment out here, boys. Uh, you know, for the for the draft, no big deal. That that's winning. The so coaches. so since you brought that up, uh, we do have some segment ideas. Now we're not going to really do it uh, tonight, other than we're going to run through one like sample segment for you guys uh, that we're just calling winners and losers. Every podcast in the world does a version of it, and we're going to do winners and losers of the quarantine so far, but. Just for some examples of segment ideas we have, uh, Dusty brought it up earlier. We're calling one Wet the Beak, which Dusty is kind of our, uh, our resident gambler, and that is where, that's where we're going to do some lines. What is it? Yeah. What, you, have, you have randomly taken something off the wall. No, be quiet, Gabe. Can the people see this, or are they just going to hear it? The people <laughs> will – if I figure out how to put this stuff on YouTube and on Instagram okay. and Twitter and stuff, yeah, people will be able to see it eventually. I, I'm working I on that skill set know, right now. Maybe some of the people listening or yourself, Gabriel, I bet you're in the stands that day. I want to take you back uh, to October uh, 2001, okay? In Dallas, Texas, there was a play, you might remember it. A man named Roy Williams comes soaring through the sky. Ball goes up. Touchdown, Layman. <laughs> Touchdown, the, Sooners. The C4 friend, has taken this, full I effect. This, <laughs> I keep this in my office. This is the only picture I have framed from any team photo. This is the 01 OU Texas game. There's a young Theodore Layman after making one of the biggest plays in OU Texas history. Look at BV. Look at Britt Venables right above his man. This is great podcasting. This is an audio medium. An 18-year-old. Uh, an 18-year-old Dusty Dvorak. Pre-hair, uh, too, man. Hey, a little goatee. Anyway, I was sorry. Sorry, Gabe. I know you're you got distracted. No, 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 no. Hey, this is Look what this, this is for. We can, we can go off on Fort any Gibson, kind of tangent we want, Dusty. Fort Gibson. No one knew about Fort Gibson in America, but they did after that day. I think <laughs> it was Britt Musburger, right, Ted? Yeah. Oh, must. Sorry. I'm sure we'll dive into that. In uh, one of my segment ideas – which is this is kind of you guys know how it can get in june july i've got a segment idea crimson and cream classics where we watch some of the old ou football games on youtube and then talk about them and with the technology capabilities we can actually show some of the plays because we can just pull it up on youtube and then put a youtube video of teddy maybe walking us through that play dusty that may be, be cool. That may be cool. Something that cool. like I said, interesting people. Like I said, when we started, we had to get the smart guy, um, the academic Heisman, so we can figure out all this the, stuff. The fact, the I fact, I can assure that, you, Ted and I could never put anything on the internet. The fact that I, that I am the time. tech guy is just horrifying. It's <laughs> not good. I am not a tech savvy human being. 
which I will, I do need to give a shout out to our man, Chris Plank, our man, Carrie Murdoch. They have helped me a lot in the last couple of days, being able to figure out all of this technology, which I didn't even know existed. So I'm trying my best. We'll, we'll work through the Kings together, guys. It'll be fine. What, the, what is the worst that can happen? Uh, nothing. I think we're good. Oh, yeah, we're fine. Awesomeness. Awesomeness can happen. Yeah, so we got, we're going to do a couple segments. We won't do that many each show, but we've got one we're calling Wet the Beak, which is going to be gambling. We're going to look at lines, stuff like that. Uh, probably my favorite segment idea we've got going is one called Keep It Local where we're going to highlight some aspects of Oklahoma, whether that's, you know, restaurants, bars, something going on that week. We can do, you know, some charity things in that. And then we're also in that Keep It Local segment. I have established the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. So we will have a mailbag where people can send us questions. Love it. And I can only imagine – how fucking weird that's going to get. <laughs> so just a couple things. And then clearly we're all going to use our connections uh, to get interviews with people that people want to hear from. So that's, that's kind of the basic layout of the show. We're going to talk about the biggest stories in sports. Uh, we're going to focus on OU football, Oklahoma State football, Thunder basketball, if the NBA ever starts again. We're going to focus on Oklahoma, but it's going to be the big stories in sports, a lot of Oklahoma flavor in sports. And then I'm sure you guys are going to tell us really cool stories about your kids when they do dumb stuff. So <laughs> it'll be fun. Now I, now I have a question. Okay. Yeah. Let's just work is, it out. We're working through it right now. This is, this is, is fluid. Have you run this by Ted? I, I think Ted can only talk so much about Oklahoma state. So you have to, I think you're going to have, to I will. I will pass, handle pass most of the him. Oklahoma State stuff. <laughs> We're gonna have to dial him back a little bit, man. He's, you know, he does. He does get a little he, angry. He, he was not afraid to poke that bear. Now, I will say this though, with all due respect, people, as much as they get mad about it, people love to listen to something that they want to get mad at. It just is what it is. So it's hateless. There's some evil genius hidden in there, and I respect it. I'm just, I just, I don't know. I just make it, I just want to hear from Ted because he probably just took a big gulp when you mentioned we're going to talk OSU. Am I wrong, Ted? Well, he didn't say we're going to talk good about OSU. I said we'll talk about it. I didn't say. I I can actually talk more about OSU than anyone. I can go on and on and on about (laughs) Oklahoma State. Yeah, he didn't say it's going to be positive. (laughs) Teddy, I'll just throw this out there. Mike Gundy said a May 1st deadline. Governor Stitt comes out. You know, he's reopening some things May 1st. Is Mike Gundy a genius? Maybe. Hey, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's still a – he's got a week. He's no, got there's a, no chance. There's not going to be kids on campus. There's no way. No, no. I put a tweet out there, and it was sarcasm. There needs to be a font on Twitter for sarcasm <laughs> so that stupid people don't respond to my tweets. With it wouldn't me. matter. It wouldn't matter. That's a good point. They're still stupid. I mean – Hey, stupid people are deal. stupid. Can, can I That's just, I just, I just want to, I, I want to say something. Um, until there's a, I'm tired of hearing people's opinion. Okay, I'm so sick of the president of Arizona, the the guy at UConn, um, anyone that wants to try to tell me that decisions have been made or 
you know, we're not going to play football in the fall. We all know there's a chance you're not going to play football in the fall. But can we just – can we give it 30 days in May when we reopen part of the country and see what the hell happens? No. Can we just wait? Can we, can we just – can we not freak everyone out? Because let me – I mean, when we say that kind of stuff, I mean, if we're not going to have kids on campuses, uh, if – I mean, are we going to have our kids in schools? Uh, is there going to be high school football? I mean – you know what I'm saying? Like, can we just just slow down? Let's just see what happens over the next 30 days before we start declaring shit's over already. I mean, I'm just – I'm getting tired of it all. Like, because no one knows. I, because at the end, anyone that wants to try to give you a fact, it's like, well, we don't know this is going to happen, but that's where it looks like it's headed. Like, okay, thank you. I'm just sick of it. Sorry. Yeah, if, if anyone's confused, uh, the president of UConn, guy named – I believe his name is Tom Katsoulias, something like that, was speaking he to – He sounds a, like a Tom Katsoulias. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely the name of a guy that would say something like this. But he was in a Zoom class for a journalism class at UConn. He was, he was talking to the journalism class via Zoom. And he basically said, yeah, I don't think we're going to play football – he said it to a journalism class. Of course it's going to get reported. That's what they want to do for a living. And you, they tried to walk it back, and they didn't do a very good job. And you, you mentioned the University of Arizona president, Robert Robbins, comes out and says he does Dr. not. In, Dr. Do, Robbins. Dr. Uh, my apologies to Dr. Robbins. Uh, but said he does not anticipate the Wildcats playing football this fall. It's just like – I believe the, the read, quote, read all the quotes, the, though. He yeah, says, he I just don't see it happening. No. Go, but he also said that he, said, he says, I don't know. I haven't yeah. heard anything. Yeah. We plan on having kids on campus in the fall. It's just like, why, why bring football into this? Just give people hope. Yeah. I understand. Hey, no, I don't even – I mean, like, all my thing is is like, until a decision is made, there's really no need for people of that magnitude to speculate on it when people don't know. Because it, what, good, what good is that at this point? I mean, what, how in any way is that a positive to put out there when, you, when this is no BS? No one knows. And right? no they keep knows. saying that they don't know, they don't have any information. That's complete bullshit. They're the university president. If they're not getting any information, then who's getting any information at all? Right? Aren't they the ones in the, all these important conversations? Aren't they supposed to be the ones making all these contingency plans? Like, I thought that's their job. But I think that – I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything. I am speculating like anyone else. Um, but how does anybody know if you're going to be able to have kids on campus yet in, in the fall? How I don't do think anyone know? does. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I, I do believe that there are – they've got a lot of um, plans, preparations. I know I spoke with multiple college football coaches at different universities this week uh, about plans of how they're going to reintegrate once they open up. Is it a four-week plan? Is it a six-week plan? Talked to a coach today that told me uh, – their coach told them that June and July they're going to be working straight and they're expecting to have kids on campus – they're expecting a pushback date at this point. What they're being told is, you know, something, you know, maybe Octoberish, but they don't really know. And that's why I'm saying, like, it's interesting because I hear this on the presidential level. I talk to coaches, boots on the ground, as we all do. 
they're being told and they're preparing as if they're playing in the fall. And I get that that's what you should do. But I guess I'm just saying that I, I think it's hard for anyone to have any kind of certainty as to what everything is going to look like on that scale from kids on campus to 100 kids on a football team having a practice. Um, we're about to come out of this thing and locally and, you know, more around the country here in the next few weeks. I don't know why everybody just doesn't say, let's, let's wait and see what May brings us. Right. If May brings us devastation and kind of what maybe some people may think is going to happen and it turns bad, well, we have our answer. <laughs> we have our answer. It ain't going to be good. If, if we don't and we come out of it and we've learned more, we're wearing masks and we're not touching and we're abiding by rules, you know, for the most part nationwide and we've got better testing, I don't know. Maybe we look at it and say, you know what? We can withstand this. And maybe there's some optimism and there's a better path. But at this point, as we sit here at the end of April, for presidents to be making those statements, I think it's a little bit irresponsible. Well, here's, the, here's one of the reasons they're making those statements is universities, um, they're in a unique position to where they can't, I mean, like, like the NFL could say, we're plugging, we're going, we're playing, right? And anyone that, that doesn't agree with the plan, fans, whatever, um, it doesn't matter. Here we go. But college, they have to walk a delicate line, right? Because there's going to be a group of people that say, well, how can you force those kids to go play football? Because right? those kids make this school millions and millions and millions of right. dollars. Next question. Well, I mean, that's what – No, I know, but, but you're that's right. The, that's what that's they're going to the say. And if right now, if, if Joe Castiglione came out and said, our plan right now is to, we're gearing up to have these, the football team back on campus sometime this summer, and we plan on playing football this fall. Well, a lot of people are going to say, yes, that's awesome, but there's going to be a very vocal group that says, you don't care about dead people. Right, so that's the that's why they're you not want to kill right. people. Right, what's they're, wrong with you? That's that's the rebuttal right now. If you want to get back to doing anything normal, is you don't care about people dying. So that's the line that they're walking, and that's why a lot of them aren't saying anything at all. Hey, I got one more. I got one more uh, thought on this. I want to get y'all's y'all's thoughts on this because I think, and I have nothing to base this on, but since we're on this podcast, if I'm offering up my opinion of what I think is a very real scenario um, that the NCAA and colleges football programs are going to be pressed with is if they do have kids on campus, but they don't allow fans. Um, you know, I was told that at Oklahoma, 80% of the revenue is at the gate, 20% is in TV money. I was also told. Uh, person meetings at Ohio State, they make $50 million at the gate between concessions, parking, gate. So, is it, what do you think about if the NFL, like Ted said, they press on, okay? Because their revenue stream, I looked it up, I couldn't find any firm numbers, but it's more like 80 20 the other way. Right. All TV money. Ton of TV money, sponsorship money. So it's totally different. They don't really need the fans. They don't need the game. They can get by with the TV revenue. So it's, you know, and, and for another reason, Ted mentioned, it's totally different. But I want both of you guys to comment on, is it the right move or the wrong move? If they got to go ahead to play football in the fall in front of empty or way less 
fulfilled stance and decide not to do that, to push back into the spring to have a, a season where they feel more confident that they could fill seats and get the gate. I, I think you push it. I, I do. I, I think you push it. If those are the two options, if it's, hey, you make significantly less revenue with no fans in the stands. My thing is, I, I just don't see, and Teddy mentioned, you know, what colleges have to consider that the NFL doesn't. Like, I just don't see college football being played if they're not allowing fans in the stands. Why? They're having, they're having fast. kids on campus, though. They're having kids on campus, just not mass assembly. But, but they would be comfortable with kids being on campus and going and sitting in classes together, but they wouldn't be comfortable with fans showing up for games like that. It, I, I can't I see one happening without the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here, here's the I, thing. I don't though. know. I don't here's, know. Here's why I think they, they will pushing be the season. Yeah. Here's why I think pushing the season back is, is ridiculous. The big worry is what? the second wave, right? We're not even through the first wave and they're already trying to scare the life out of us with the second wave. Well, right. take a guess when the second wave starts. December, yeah, January, okay? Yeah. You're going to be right into the, you're going to be, you're moving the season out of the low point of the virus and pushing it back into the high point of the virus. That makes zero sense. Not, not what mention, you want. <laughs> no, not to mention you know, if, if they miss out on fall revenue and they have to push this thing all the way to the spring semester, by that time, they will have axed so many of the other sports and, and different things that it's just going to be a, it's going to be a bad environment. A lot of people lose their jobs. Yeah. A lot of businesses will fold. I mean, it, that, I, I know that a lot of people, maybe they get a little annoyed about how important football is in Oklahoma sometimes, but, but it really does fuel a lot of, a lot of things. I mean, it's extremely important, especially to the economy of Norman, like football season is going to happen in my mind. Like college football is going to get played. I just have no idea what the season's going to look like. I don't know what month it's going to happen. All I know is it has to happen with, especially with what's going on with oil right now, college football needs to happen. In the state well, of Oklahoma, boy. I agree. I'll tell you, the, the stuff looks better every day, though, man. It honestly does. The antibody test that looks like that millions and millions yeah. Let's bring some positivity. Come on. I mean, it honestly. I think. I think these are. I think these are worst case scenarios, and there's a chance to think it happen. But I really feel like, like Dusty said, let's see what the month of May brings, and I think that's gonna. I think it's gonna be a, a much better situation. You know, just a couple of weeks from now. It's going to be more clear, I think, too, just what we should anticipate. Last thing I'm going to say about if that scenario that I mentioned happens. Like, what, 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 months, what months did this thing start this year here in America? March? Well, the first April, death I think in California February. was February 6th. So, yeah, so January? Got here in late okay, December so or January. I think the answer so to that question is we don't know. And, and, and so, but here's but here's my other thing: if you can't have fans and stands in the fall, and you still know you're not going to have a vaccine, and maybe a even higher 
um, you know, time that it would spread, you know, a higher, a, a more yeah, peak season yeah. for the virus. Why would, why would you think that you're going to have fans in the stands then? That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, so, yeah. so, so, you, so you push the season, so you push the season and now you've completely effed everything up. If there are other sports, you've now run football into basketball. You've, you've now completely changed your television partner's calendar. You've left them with nothing to put on the air for that time. And then now you're going to ask them to completely change their model that they have for the spring. You're, you're yeah. not going to probably get the same compensation from them. And then again, like there is zero guarantee that you're going to have fans in the stands at that point. If I just feel like passing the buck is to yeah. hope that it's better later on down the line. That, that could be problematic. I guess what I'm saying is, um, I would say that as crazy as it would sound, either empty stadiums or way less people in the stadiums, if you could get that in the fall, I still think that even though I know what you'd be losing at the gate and I know it's hard to fathom that, I just don't see why you would think it's any better four or five months down the road than it would be at that point. And then you're going to be in that same spot and you've completely ruined the college football season. Now you're going to have kids, great players, and I don't even want to play. Because um, they're going to be ready for the NFL draft. The NFL has right yeah. And then it how, how does it affect the 2021 season? If you're playing in the spring, are you going to play in the fall of 2021 also? Like, that's what everyone says. That's a, that's, that's a, I hear people say like, oh, these kids do it. They, they go from – I hear people say, oh, well, they go from having a season, get a few weeks off, go into winter conditioning, and then, you know, a few months later like they're already – it's not like having a full effing season. And anyone that says that is, is stupid. And that also, I'm not, I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent here, but you want to talk about this whole thing really taking any type of fluff off of that this is a business, dog. College football is big business. And then those kids, they're the laborers. And we are seeing very clearly that that's what matters, the money. It ain't about the love of the game or any of that. This is all about making money, and it really, if you look at it, it's, it's, it's professionalized college football more so than ever before because now we have head football coaches, we have athletic directors, we have everybody telling us daily how important financially college football is to everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's extremely Sorry. important. And I and I and it's important to me too because I, I have a lot of jobs at the. Yeah, no, I already lost one job and I'll lose the other two if there's not a college football season. So uh, I would really like if college football happened at some point. That would yep. be uh, that would be great. Okay, I feel like we've really killed the mood, and we haven't talked about Kenneth Murray going 23rd overall at all. So Teddy, your boy goes 23rd. They trade up to get him, give up quite a bit to go up there and get him. Uh, Anthony Lynn was the running backs coach in Buffalo. When I was playing for the Bills, he is an unbelievable guy. Gus Bradley, the defense coordinator there for the Chargers, he was my coach at the Senior Bowl. Kenneth Murray and his energy and positivity, I don't know if – can there be that much positivity in one room when you put Kenneth Murray and Gus Bradley in the same room? I mean, oh, my gosh, it's going to be ridiculous. No, that's a perfect match, man. Gus Bradley, he's fantastic. He was my linebacker coach in Tampa Bay whenever I was there. Absolutely love that guy. He's fantastic. And I think it's a great situation for Kenneth Murray 
I mean, they got some great pass rushers up in front of him. Bosa's there, Gordon. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great situation. He'll have a chance to go in there, compete for a starting job right away. And, I mean, you know, he, he can run, right? And coaches can do, uh, you know, they can do stuff with a player that can run. That's, a, that's the perfect place to start, you know. He's going to have to get better at the point of attack. He's going to have to get better, you know, um, you know, going up against some of those bigger offensive line and, at, at that level. But he's going to be able to run sideline to sideline. And in that division that he's in, that's going to be a big benefit. And he's going to have an opportunity to find himself on the field right away. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, if he starts day one. You would imagine you take a guy in the first round, especially with Gus Bradley as your defense coordinator, a defense that is based on speed. You would assume that he's going to be there week one, whenever week one may be. But I, I was so excited for Kenneth. Uh, I mean, we've all spent time with him. Teddy, you're extremely close with him. He's about as good a dude as you can get. I mean, he's just – an world-class guy, hell of a football player, and loves football. I mean, loves just wanted to be great, is going to continue to work. The only bad part about him going to the Chargers, Kenneth Murray loves the hell out of football, and no one in L.A. does. They don't care. And he plays for the Chargers, not even the Rams, the Chargers. So that's going to be a little – Culture shift. <laughs> uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, you know, that we were talking about the tax breakdown, the difference there. Uh, he's about to get banged over the head with those <laughs> California taxes. Bing, Yeah. Uh, Brutal. Uh, so, uh, Gabe, you got any more on Kenneth? No. Love that guy. Um, I do too, man. Fired up for him. Uh, we all watched him. We talked about this uh, the last time we, we had one of these little podcasts. Threw him into the fire. I, I still remember the first uh, spring practice. It's like talking about a beautiful woman. I remember the first time I laid eyes on her. I remember the first time I saw Kenneth Murray. He was gorgeous. Stri- strike that sled. I said, I grabbed my, I slapped Mike Stoops on the arm. I said, who in the, is that? He said, it's Kenneth Murray. I said, we haven't had any guys that look like that in a long time. And he was very raw, like never really played second level backer, uh, was thrown in the fire. I can, Ted could could tell you what that's like. I can't even imagine. I I played as a true freshman, but it's like, put your hand in the dirt and go. Like having to run a defense as a true freshman that's never even played in that spot is crazy. So he took some real lumps, got better and better and better and balled out this year. Again, like Ted said, ain't perfect. But the guy loves football. He's a great person. He's got great energy. It's going to be infectious to the locker room. And he's an athlete, and he's got great size and explosiveness. That, that always that – typically those traits translate well to the NFL. And I've never met Gus Bradley, but I've heard from people everything you guys said. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't succeed, and I think he would be a day-one starter. And you look at the Chargers – Talk about remaking their franchise to a degree. New quarterback and Justin Herbert at six. Now a new quarterback through defense uh, and Kenneth Murray at 23. And so fired up for him and can't wait to see how it works. And my last thought on this, and I thought I couldn't believe this when I had my producer um, on my local radio show look it up. I was just thinking since Ted and I had been there, since the Bob Stoops era, I knew I I recognized there hadn't been a first-round linebacker. But when we looked it up, 
it had been since Brian, tonight, Kenneth Murray becomes the first Sooner linebacker to be drafted in the first round since Brian Bosworth in the 1987 supplemental draft. It was, uh, I believe, the 84 draft, 83 draft. My D-line coach, Jackie Schiff, the last yep. linebacker in the actual draft and get drafted in the first round. So that's good for Oklahoma recruiting. It also tells me Brian Odom, love that guy, also took me on my recruiting visit. What a stud he is. Did a hell of a job with Kenneth Murray. And it also should tell you Alex Grinch's defense and what they want to be and do steps in the right direction. First-round draft pick. Again, he was under the other regime, but this year allowed him to, you know, take it to the next level. And not that that's going to win you any battles, but when something hadn't happened in how long is that, boys? 33 years, and we've been starving for big-time defensive front seven talent. That ain't going to hurt nobody. So – as great as it is for Kenneth and the Chargers and all that, it's also a big night for Oklahoma football and this new defensive coaching staff that has come in. And Neville Gallimore is going to go tomorrow. I mean, when was the last time, you know, two front seven players had gone in the first three rounds off an Oklahoma defense? So uh, all that stuff to me is very positive when you, when you look at uh, what Oklahoma is doing with this new regime. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was a lot of fun watching a couple of you guys go in the draft tonight. Um, also, a couple other Big 12 guys going in the draft. Jalen Rager going to Philadelphia at 21. I think he was criminally underutilized at TCU. Uh, I believe I said Sonny Cumbie should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law <laughs> at one point in time. But I, I loved that pick for them. Now – a couple other takeaways from the first round of the NFL five, draft. Five Big 12, by the way. Five Big 12 players. That's good. That's good. Three on defense. Jeff Gladney, two on defense. Good corner. Um, Dave Gettleman, the GM for the Giants, he was wearing a mask, a protective mask, <laughs> when he was by himself in his own home. What the yeah, hell was he doing? I, don't, I saw that. I was like, I, at first I thought it was like a joke, like it was a goof or something. I was like, uh. I don't know how I feel about that joke right now, but then I was like, no. I, and he, like, I struggled to serious. get it on his face. <laughs> yeah, like, it was, I like, know, it was man. complicated for I felt bad. I was like, what is this man doing? I will I, say, I was just though, confused. He is in New York. It's a different world up there right now True. than it is here. But how about the Packers, dude? How about the Packers going up to get a quarterback? They Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be so pissed if I'm him. Like, oh, he's he can't going be, be overly pissed. He can't be overly pissed because it's how he got into the league. But at the exact same time, dude, this guy's like on the – he's on the back nine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's on like 12 or 13 he's probably. He's 36 years old. And, and this dude, I mean, I know he's got Devontae Adams, but you can't get the brother a weapon, man. You can't, Maybe I mean, a tight end. They just lost Brian Balaga. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do something to help him. Like, I get it organizationally. <laughs> But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, yo, that co and that coach came in, what, he went 12 games last year? They get the two seeds. So, first year as a head coach, I mean. And remember, there was, there was all the rumors that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, maybe they weren't getting along too well. And all of a sudden, he drafts a quarterback in the first round the How's next that year? conversation going, Ted? I don't How's know, How's your $33 man, million dollar a year quarterback going to take that one? Dude, he's looked miserable up there for the like the last four or five years. Oh, I can't even. It's imagine. cold there. 
People don't just, like the cold. No. Think about how much attitude he's had, like looking at the sideline, like on, on play calls and stuff. Dude, it's going to be overflowing now from Aaron Rodgers. He just said on a – someone had him on like a podcast or a radio show today and asked him about, you know, who he thought the Packers were going to take. He's like, well, we haven't taken a skill position guy in 15 years. So it'd be nice if we took a skill guy. I love the shade he throws at his own organization. Talk about job security. Um, do it right back. Speaking of security, one of my other big takeaways from the draft, the Cleveland Browns, they go and get Jedrick Wills, who is my favorite tackle in the draft. I think he plays at a high level. So now Baker Mayfield going to be protected by Wills, who was their first-round pick, and Jack Conklin, who they signed in free agency. So that's Love big time. Pick. Favorite, I agree. I had him at the top uh, tackle. I think that's a great pick at 10. Here's, all I, here's the one thing that I know. I think we all agree it's kind of hard not to love Baker Mayfield. I mean, I love me some Baker. But Baker, Baker showed me a side this year. I thought he kind of lost. He lost a little bit. You know what I mean? A little confidence? Like I don't know about just confidence, but I think that um, he did not handle – you know, when we saw him in Oklahoma and even at Tech for, uh, just for a little bit, he always had success. He, he did – even his rookie year when he came in, he had success. He, he didn't have the success that was expected. He didn't deal with adversity overly well. That doesn't mean that he can't overcome it and mature. I just felt that the, the fights he was getting in with the media, he was kind of losing focus, I thought. Um, and it seems like he's kind of dialed that in. I just know that this is a massive year, number three for him. And as much as I think the guy is the franchise quarterback in Cleveland, and I think that he, he has the ability to be a, a, a good starting quarterback in the National Football League, there's no excuses anymore, right? He's got two Pro Bowl receivers. They went and got Austin Hooper, big-time tight end from Atlanta. Oh, he's got no as excuses you, anymore. As you referenced, Gabe, they None. went and got Conklin. They just spent a 10 pick on a, on, a, on a Wills that you can plug in now and starts tomorrow. Like, yeah. he's the most ready tackle there is. So, like, at this point – and, oh, by the way, I didn't mention the running back that finished second in the NFL this year in rushing, Nick Chubb. And let's not forget <laughs> Kareem Hunt's on that team, too. Well, it's a the big most year important for thing, Mayfield, though, is boys. the coach yeah. and the GM that drafted him aren't there either. And you guys know whenever the people that didn't draft you take over, they're yeah. trying to get their guys. Well, so, they're looking for a I, reason now. They sent – I mean, they sent a clear message – to Baker and Baker knows he didn't play well this year. Everyone knows he didn't play well. He has higher standards for himself than the way he played. But when they brought in Case Keenum, that that sends a pretty clear message, guys. Because the, Case Keenum's not there to start, but Case Keenum's there for if things ever are going really poorly and it's week nine, maybe we put the old veteran in. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. That's how that league works. They created competition, and I honestly – I think it's going to bring the best out of Baker Mayfield. I, I do, because we've seen him do this, you know, when, kind of when the pressure's on, when he's backed into a corner, he tends to come out swinging, and that's – when he feels slighted, usually when he's played his best. Now, I'm with you, Dusty. He, he seemed like maybe he lost a little confidence, lost focus. Last year got too distracted by the outside noise. Mm -hmm. But I'm not worried about it. I think he's going to have a big year three. Big. I, and I mean big. I think they've invested a ton in building that offense around him. He's got no excuses. He's got to play well. He's got to play at a high level. 
he's remember uh, the way these rookie contracts are, they're four year deals with a fifth year team option, right? So after next season, that option that date usually comes in that next off season. So they make their determination on year five after year three. And, or a lot of teams will look at that and then they'll, you know, maybe start to renegotiate. I'm just saying that he's a number one overall pick, so he's going to get a lease. But what Ted said is a million percent right, baby. If they didn't draft you, they ain't married to you. And, um, again, we just ran down what he has around him. If he can't get it done, like you said, Gabe, one thing I know about Case Keenum, he won't like the – I mean, I don't think he's a guy that I think is an elite quarterback. He took the Minnesota Vikings to the playoffs. and. Please don't I bring that stupid game up. That was my last <laughs> NFL game. game memory serves. <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, we get it. Hey, what we the hell was that safety doing, by the way? Dude, I don't know. None of us knew. Yeah, yeah, I was standing oh, right there. Oh. That was my last <laughs> anyway, NFL so game. Case Keenum has led a team to the postseason and won a playoff game. So I'm sure he'd love to play with the toys that they have uh, in Cleveland a little bit. Well, here's the thing is, I, you know, I think it's a – it's a bad year for Baker that the NFL's having a virtual offseason. You know, yeah, totally agree with that. you saw him at the end of last year. He was he was overweight. He put on weight, uh, wasn't in very good shape. He said he's going to have to lose some weight this year, this offseason, and, and get in better shape, which is never what you want to hear from your, your franchise quarterback that you took number one overall. It's not a very good thing that he has to say, but – you know, the fact that they're not going to be there in the facility doing workouts on top of their diet, uh, learning the new playbook and the new new offense with the coaching staff, it's, it's, it's not a good thing for him, I don't think. Yeah. Gabe then, played offensive line. I played nose tackle. I, think I was over 300 at one point. Gabe had to hover around 300. Ted, Baker can never get in a situation where Gabriel and I could both beat him in a shirt off. Like that, he just has. That's the standard. And he barrier. needs to go to. He's the a beach professional athlete. Guys, too. I mean, we're we're podcasting. He is I'm playing on Sundays. With three kids. I should not look better than a young, oh uh, a young starting quarterback. I'm just saying. But you have been Get hitting that peloton. Together, You've been hitting the peloton C4. pretty hard. Back to C4, our original sponsor. <laughs> We will we we will seek out sponsors. We will, I promise. But um, oh, we're going to beat the doors away. down, people. <laughs> one more takeaway from the draft, and then we'll give the people a little sample segment. We're going to dive into winners and losers. Um, did you guys see Mike Vrabel and all the shit that was going on in the background? What in the world was going on? What? First of all, who are those people? Those those human beings are too old to be as kids. Right? I mean, he's not that old. Are those just like his boys hanging out of the house? Like, what the hell was happening? It looked like someone out of, like, Napoleon Dynamite or something just happened to be that guy's, standing behind him. That guy what had a wispy mustache. Wispy. <laughs> and then the was other that guy, one of Gabriel's, like, all-pro jerseys or something? I, it was something like, I don't know. I, I couldn't stop laughing. I was just... I literally paused it, and my wife and I, we were just sitting there, like, breaking it down, like, person by person. First of all, one guy is in, like, a fro zone, like, body Unitard. suit. <laughs> Unitard. And Dude, I, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I had to go up to the news station earlier, and I missed part oh, of the Oh, no. I'm gonna, I am, I'm, as soon as this is over, I got to find this. 
He's I just gotcha. sitting there doing his draft deal, and he's got these two guys standing behind him wearing these crazy get-ups. I don't know. I, I don't really know, but a lot of I'm people were – Mike Vrabel now. A, lo- a lot of people were so distracted by what was going on in the background, they didn't see Vrabel <laughs> take that giant – they didn't see Vrabel take this giant chaw out of his mouth right when he's about to draft somebody. He just takes it and just throws it in the cup like this – I mean, it was a big lipper, too. I was like, this guy doesn't care. This is the ultimate football guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like the NFL has like their strict no tobacco policy, too. And there's one of their head coaches. Brilliant. The guy on the right has to be – has to be – He's got uh, some resemblance, but doesn't he seem awfully old? You got to remember, bro, Mike Vrabel ain't no spring chicken. He's mid to late 40s, probably. Mid, I mean, he's older than Tom Brady. Hell, Tom Brady's 43. I bet oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I have no sense of what it, children are like, anyways, and how they age or anything. I just have dogs, so <laughs> I, I I don't I don't I know mean, what the hell I'm talking about. But his son probably I would guess his son's like 16 to 18. I don't know. I mean, if he's 46, well, his I son's saw 16. one of the kids tonight that got I can't remember who it was. He got drafted. His dad was on the um the 2007. Super Bowl team, whoever won it in 07. The, uh, no, he was on uh, Peyton's team when they played you guys, Dusty. His 06. dad was on that team. So, and he got drafted today. So, oh, that could yeah. be Vrabel's kid. Jalen Rager. Monty yeah. Rager was exactly. his defensive end for the Colts. That's who it was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Monty Rager. Where did Monty Rager play football? Big 12. No idea. Don't care. Texas Tech, come on, man. Oh, sorry. Hey, by the way, last question on this Mike Vrabel deal. So that's his son to his right. What in the hell? What is that guy wearing with I, the white thing on his head? What is that? Have you seen Frozone from the – I think it's the Incredibles, right? That's yeah, the animated – yeah, it's a great – I don't know. Is that that outfit or is it just like – where I've did he acquire this unitard? I, I need to know where this thing came from. And it doesn't like have anything to do with the Titans or the draft <laughs> or anything. It's like, hey, you, there's just a random. It, it's like it's like Vrabel is just like, hey, find the goofiest shit you can put on and just stand behind me when it comes to be our pick. And they're like, okay, sounds good. I mean, that that does seem like something Mike Vrabel would do. I think that's his boy. I on to his right. That's his son. I think to his left in the unitard that is a, a beautiful Titan blue. That's got to be his drinking buddy. He has to be drunk. I, There's no doubt that dude's been drinking. I oh have no God. idea, but <laughs> all, all I know, all I know is I'm glad it happened because it had me laughing for a solid two minutes because I was just trying to diagnose what the hell was going on. <laughs> And it's exactly what Vrabel was going for, right? He was like, what can I do that will get people talking about it? And it will just be fun. And he just Maybe he's a big prank guy. I don't know. But, gosh, I was laughing my I ass off. I can't stop laughing at it. It looks like he's wearing, like, a speed skating uh, <laughs> uniform or whatever. I want I, that for Halloween. Hey, do you guys remember the story before last football season, what Mike Vrabel said in that interview? Oh yeah, he, no. So that he was cut on his dick off. Yeah, he said he oh, cut yeah. his dick off to win a Super Bowl. As that coach. was that was on uh, Taylor Lewan and Will Compton's podcast, Busting with the Boys, right when they had just started up. And Lewan and I were very close when I was in 
Tennessee with the Titans. And when I like saw that, I was like, like, you slept in his bed. Oh yeah. Multiple <laughs> times. I actually had to, I've wound up in bed with Teddy before. It's kind of a crazy story, but <laughs> I feel like we'll get to that at some point. The more, uh, the more of these we do. All right, get to, hey, hey, get to your winners and losers. We've given Let's get the to, we enough. need to go to bed. Yeah. You're old. Yeah, I get it. We've given the people enough. All right. So basically the idea for We've it them came a good from taste of what, of what they should come back for it. We're all, the idea came from the Toby Keith song. I love this bar. You know, we got winners. We got losers. It's some people do it. Hey, stock up, stock down, whatever the hell you want to do. Everyone does the same damn segment. So we're going to do it because it's good. So we're each going to pick a winner. We're each going to pick a loser. And then we'll talk about them. It's about as simple as it gets, boys. Teddy, would you like to start us off? Well, yeah, for my winner, I said it earlier, if you can quarantine from a $250 million yacht, that's about as a winner as it gets. Uh, Helicopter in the equipment, uh, throw your suit on over your Speedo, whatever you've got to do to to do your draft, to take your players. Uh, No big deal. We signed a $100 million receiver this spring. Let's go ahead and draft another one. I I think Jerry Jones is the quarantine winner right now. I don't think there's any doubt. I have no rebuttal for that, but that room he was in on the yacht, whole lot of white, whole lot of white. Which is dangerous on a boat. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Don't spill any wine. Blind guy, yeah. yeah. He must not be. All right, who you got for your loser? For a quarantine loser, I think I had to go with my wife. You know, it's, it's one thing to be married to me. But to have to be around me 24-7 every single day with no break, um, I, I feel bad for her. I really do. She's just stuck here with the two boys. It's pretty bad. I think the wives across the country are the big losers of the quarantine. They've got to be. I can get with that. I mean, it makes sense. Dusty, who you got, winner and loser? Um. Okay. I – uh, very similar to Ted, and because I thought that aside from the yacht, the other baller of the night was a man that I had the pleasure of sacking twice in 2002. Uh, the head football coach of the Arizona Cardinals won Cliff with a K Kingsbury. Um, his pad, and now you have to understand, this could be an entire show my moving, my crazy-ass moving to Arizona for six months. But yeah, that was weird. Was he in your I house, lived, Dusty? We'll have to get I into lived, that at some point. <laughs> I lived like 30 minutes where he was at, and you, you saw the mountain in the background. My mountain view was not that good, and mine was of a different mountain. But I can tell you, Arizona is a, a, a very aesthetically pleasing place to live. And I thought that Cliff Kingsbury – looked about as baller as you possibly could. And to make it even better, I thought he might wind up with one of the best picks in the first round. I love the fact that they took Isaiah Simmons at eight. I think the guy is an absolute stud. And they took a lot of flack last year because they had drafted a quarterback in the top 10 the year before. But they were like, you know what? Just because the previous regime made a mistake doesn't mean we are. They went offense all about the offense, but then they go with what I think is probably the second best defensive player in this draft and they get him at eight. And I think he's going to be a stud in Arizona to complement what's going to be a pretty fun offense to watch. So that's my 
winner. And also my son. I told the story at the beginning. Nobody won more than Hudson Dvorak. Um, I'd also so say the, uh, the fire pit going out in the desert whenever it's a, a hot day is an awesome flex. Straight ball and move. You yes. know that there, there was naked women in that house somewhere, right? Like, I was checking the reflection on all the glass. They're, they're there. They've got champagne. They've got everything. You, you know they're there. You just don't know where. They're hiding. He's like, hey, you got to get out of the shot. I got to post this on Twitter from the official Cardinals account. But you know that we all know they're there. You Many of them. Kingsbury's the Dan Bilzerian of the NFL football coaches. Yeah, and he I doesn't. Think- he probably doesn't pay the women either. I don't if he's not I don't want to know he's not you know what I'm saying like I'd rather at least like to think he's that Ted give us the mirage uh, yeah and um um as far as a loser goes I, I mean I can't think of a bigger loser tonight than Aaron Rodgers um I mean the poor bastard said it would you say Ted 15 years they haven't drafted a skill player in the first round and they take a damn quarterback. That just, I'm going to tell you. And trade up a, to get him. And trade up to go get him. What an amazing draft for so many, but uh, not an amazing night. That was one uh, of the best. Uh, you know, I've Aaron been on Twitter for a while. Rogers. That was one of the best, like, moments to watch unfold on Twitter with everyone's reaction at the same time. <laughs> so, so here's the question. What was a worse night for Aaron Rodgers? Draft night, where it was one of the biggest falls ever. And remember the shots of him back in the green room? Oh, so depressing and so awesome for us to watch. (laughs) Is draft day going to be go down as the worst day of his life uh, when he came into the NFL and maybe the move that departs him uh, from the team that he's been playing for uh, for a long time? That was – well, he's got that, millions and millions and millions hey, and millions hey, of dollars I, I now. Gonna, I ain't going to cry. I ain't going to cry. Uh, he will die uh, on draft day. Like 2072, yeah. Yeah, draft, Aaron Rodgers passes away. Hey, and I think also uh, Todd McShay, uh, shout out to my colleague. I'd have to say a real loser, uh, and I actually feel bad. Maybe I'm the loser. He, I, shot Todd, I shot Todd a text like last um, Tuesday or Wednesday, asked him to do a <laughs> – feel like a real jerk, by the way. Had no idea I had the coronavirus. Shot him a text last week, asked him to do a Zoom thing for me for television. And I was kind of like, man, I can't – Todd always gets back to me. I can't believe Todd didn't get back to me. And then I saw today that he had a coronavirus. This is like him and Mel Kuyper, this is their Super Bowl. So I felt for uh, I felt for the man. He couldn't show up. And he, was, he, he wanted the coach to let him in, but coach wouldn't let him in the Super Bowl. So – Shout out to uh, my man, Todd Lachey, who unfortunately, because of that damn corona, Lachey, the virus, uh, got my man down. All right, I'm going to go big winner tonight. Big winner tonight. One of my favorite players in the Big 12 Conference. One of my favorite players to watch on offense or defense last season until he hurt his shoulder. Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. I mean, his when you looked at the mock drafts, he was all over the place. Late first round. Some people had him in the third round. Some people had him mid-second. Like, no one really knew where this guy was going. And he gets to go to Seattle and learn from Bobby Wagner, who is arguably one of the best linebackers to ever play this game. That is one 
hell of a situation for Jordan Brooks. And I feel like that puts him in a great place to succeed. It, it, it really does. I, I, I was really happy for him because I think he's a hell of a player, Teddy. No, he is. I, I think he's, you know, and he can play multiple spots. He's a rusher off the edge, but if they need him to be an inside guy, I think he could do that too. But no, it's going to be a great system. There's, there's a good defensive line there that he can play around. So, and like you said, it always means a lot to go in and learn from the best, see the way he prepares, see what he looks like on film, get some tips and, and tricks from him. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a good spot. He's a baller, dude. He really is. Now this was this. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's got some stuff to him now. The vision was kind of for this to be winners and losers of the quarantine. We turned it in winners and losers of the NFL draft, which I like, but my loser oh, – oh. It's fine. Hey, this is our first time. Guys, we'll get better. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. But my loser, I am going to stick to the quarantine theme. I was trying to pick between Carol Baskin and Jerry <laughs> Krause, which are the, the two most talked about things, right? Tiger King in the Last Dance documentary. So I'm going to let you guys pick. Which one do you want me to talk about? Jerry Krause, who comes off as the smallest, dumpiest nerd that all the bulls just dunk on all the time with insults. Or I'll go with Carol Baskin because she – I was geez. about to say, I think, I think Cross got it bad enough from Pippen and Jordan and he's passed away at this point. Yeah, so. he can't defend himself. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> Let's, let's go on, Carol, Carol Baskin. She's still living. Uh, let's just start here. Uh, she definitely murdered Don Lewis. Like, there's no doubt. She murdered that guy and fed him to a tiger. And I, well, if, if someone's like, oh, wow, you're still talking about Tiger King, yeah, it's still like the most popular thing on the planet right now. Well, here's the thing. I mean, she's I a loser just for the sole reason of during the quarantine, there was a murder investigation reopened, uh, you know, against her. So – Point blank right there, she wins it. Yeah, no one hey. – you, you really don't want someone thinking you're a murderer. And we all walked away from that show going, that lady definitely killed that guy. Not only did she kill him, but she fed him to her tigers. Wow. Hey, the, um, the, the music video in that documentary <laughs> – Oh, my gosh. Of, Here, of kitty, her, kitty. Of the, Here, by the kitty, way – of the, the crazy lookalike Carol Baskin that they found, which is remarkable. Her feeding the thinly sliced pieces of her husband to that tiger was some of the best damn television I've ever seen in my life. I'll tell you, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of, like, the, the cringiest things you could ever imagine. But his eulogy that he gave in that, oh that show, was – awful i was like please turn it off i can't watch this i wanted to crawl into a hole it was horrible what did he call what did he, he call his uh, late husband's <laughs> testicles what were they golden nuggets i think <laughs> that's Gold. what they were to, i with her, his mother sitting right there having to listen to it brother. he's talking about how he like rubbed his balls <laughs> on his face i'm just like dude this is a funeral and then he starts singing he performs at the funeral it's just unbelievable. Now, hopefully, our man Joe Exotic. Do you think he hit the mom with a charge for a, a performance fee? I yeah, no. there was that you definitely wasn't free. Yeah. I saying, hey, if you guys done the TikTok yet? Yeah, yell on 
I probably sound like an old man. Have you done no. the TikTok? I did one TikTok, and it was because my sister-in-law made me do it. Um, but I've only participated in one. I, I have refused to download TikTok because I already spend way too much time on my phone and my iPad anyways between Twitter and Instagram. I can't add another social media, guys. I just I can't do it. That's, that, that would just take too much time. It's impossible. Let me tell you guys something. If This is a blood bank guarantee, whatever you want to call it. You will never see me willingly video myself dancing and upload it into the internet ever <laughs> that will that would like be the perfect punishment for me okay so i will never do that so this quarantine we agree has done some weird shit to a lot of different people right no doubt are you a my my wife it's like i think she's like a 16 year old girl at times she's on this stand on some of these this instagram crap and this tiktok man she's like always watching these videos and she's like she's forced myself and my kids to make some of these videos uh some of them i have to admit are pretty funny but she i, I don't have any ear game i won't put it on my phone but she's always putting this stuff in my face and showing it to me and i'm so but there's one and it's carol baskin and it goes i'm gonna attempt this i may butcher it but i'm gonna attempt it's pretty it's pretty good I may actually have it on my phone. I'll send it to you. But it goes, Carol Baskin killed her husband and whacked him. I have, I have him. seen this. It didn't happen. <laughs> Fed him to tigers. Uh, they snack him. <laughs> Carol Baskin. <laughs> you clearly love that one. I, I, I love that you love it so much. Is that the one with the little kids doing it? And the girl comes There's up behind the uh, – first kid and like slits his throat it's terrible <laughs> i don't know there's a there's a, probably a gajillion of them out there that people yeah. do but anyway so tiktok's I, taking I like, over the world it really is i like and carol baskin uh has as well hey did you guys ever go there by the way because i never went did you ever go i've no. driven by it i never i never paid to go into the park i never really had an urge to hold a tiger i was like my face at the time was the only thing I had, right? I was 305 pounds. I wasn't about to let a tiger scratch my face up. I was like, I ah, can't do it. I'll just drive by and look from a distance. That's how I handled that whole thing. The, the most nice I know face. about it is anytime there's a uh, weather season and we've got the storm chasers out, for some reason, uh, Joe Exotic's zoo is always on the map. <laughs> That's the one thing I remember. Yeah, the, the animal park. And they showed it when it got hit yeah. by that tornado and, and yeah. some of the animals got out. Oh, my gosh. What? Tigernado. First of all, that <laughs> the fact that people think that that is what Oklahoma is like is so unfortunate. But, all right, boys, I, how do we feel? How do we think it went? I like it. Good stuff. Introduction episode in the books. First one in the books. You got to love it. It's great. I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that that was the quarantine winners and losers. So no, it's okay. Hey, well, it's all about open communication. We'll Joe fine. Exotic was the winner, and Carol Baskin, I agree, was the loser. All right, boys. Well, we're going to try to get on a nice schedule for this podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown. We're going to try to do it where we put an episode out Monday morning and an episode out. Friday morning. That's kind of what we're planning right now. We'll see 
how that goes. Uh, but until next time, we appreciate you listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.